Welcome to the travel portion of Bad Science. I'm here talking with Eric Jakowitz of Success Express, and you just came back from a big tour where you probably took planes, trains, and automobiles. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I did. So what's your favorite of those transportations? Well, I got to go train because it's like a plane and it's a lot like an automobile, but it's right in the middle. Wow. And I'm a medium kind of guy. Never thought about that. Do you like the food on the trains? No. Does it take longer than a plane? It does take longer than the plane. Do you get sick on trains? Always. But I get really sick on a plane and really, really sick in an automobile. Who cares? Planes, trains, and automobiles is all about Thanksgiving. Do you like Thanksgiving? I love Thanksgiving and I love Steve Martin and I also love John Candy and John Hughes, who directed that film. Yes, you're right about all of that. And do you love the turkey at Thanksgiving and the gravy <laughs> and the stuffing? No, my family didn't do that. We did a, a live duck. We would just chase it, chase it around the house, and then someone would bludgeon it with the with the rolling pin, and then whoever caught it ate it. Wow, weird family you're from. Yep, we're from Florida. Well, I hope you have a very good Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners out there. And happy Thanksgiving to you, Ethan. You look great. Hey, you look really, really good. Thank you. You also look awesome. Well, you look cool, and I thank you for being on the program today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You look great. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and I love you. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, 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 bad science. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Science. I'm Ethan Edinburgh, and today we are talking about 1987's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, because it's Thanksgiving, everybody's favorite holiday. I don't know if that's true. I'm just assuming that that's true, because you get together with your family, everybody gives thanks, they eat food. Obviously, the history of it is uh, not for everyone, but let me get to my guests. They're going to help me through this episode. First, we have from San Francisco, I'm, I'm down here in Southern California, but from NorCal, we have the director of the Data Science and analytics at Samba TV. It's Jeffrey Silverman. Hi, everybody. Hey, Jeffrey. I should call you Dr. Jeffrey Silverman, right? I mean, you earned that. That, that is correct. I do, I do like Dr. Jeff. It sounds pretty fancy. So Yeah, Dr. Jeff is here with us. And uh, can you just tell everybody, in case they don't know, what is Samba TV? Because it sounds very spicy uh, and like there's a lot of dancing involved, perhaps. Uh, you know, there's definitely dancing involved after hours, but uh, Samba TV is a uh, TV analytics uh, and technology startup here up in San Francisco. Uh, so that's uh, where I've been for the past few years, trying to figure out who's watching what on TV, you know, what commercials work, if, you know, you want to mm. advertise for a new TV show, where should you put your commercials, how many people watch Game of Thrones, all that kind of good stuff. Wow, okay, great. Well, this is a show in its own right, so maybe by the <laughs> end you can tell me if it's worth doing at all, or if anybody cares, that would be great. Um, now, for my other guest, I wanted somebody, you know, from my family, it's a Thanksgiving episode, but then I was remembering who's in my family, and I was like, yikes. So, I got the closest thing to a family member. It's my bestest friend, songwriter, guitarist, and music producer, Shawnee Moose the Goose is Loose, Tracy. How's it going, Sean? Oh my god, I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Always, when you're around, I'm in the best of moods. Well, I'm all smiles, too. Wow. I'll see you guys next time. It's been an absolute pleasure being here. <laughs> no, no, we're back. We're back. Um, so, Sean, you're a musician. You've traveled a lot. A little bit. You've traveled, you traveled a little bit. Not as much as others. Well, to me, you've traveled a lot, I guess, maybe by comparison. You've, you've flown to around the world to play shows. Uh, a little bit. Oh my just, God. just a little bit. I'm being honest. <laughs> all right, all right. Maybe compared to we're not going to exaggerate. Like huge tour, touring musicians, some of our buddies, it is a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to bring up because this movie is obviously all about like 
a disaster of a trip. Uh, everything that could possibly go wrong does go wrong uh, for Neil, played by Steve Martin. But I wanted to quickly go over a few of Sean's mishaps because I love bringing uh, Sean, <laughs> uh, bring, bringing him back to these dark times. Uh, so Sean, you at one point tried to go play a show in London and then London told you, no thanks, Yeah, they get said, out of here. They said, go home, find your own way home. Uh, almost <laughs> literally. Um, I was riding on the coattails of a, of a trip to play this gig and I'd never been outside the country before. So it was gonna be my first time. Mm. And um, and we went to music school where a lot of the kids there are from other countries and you hear about how when they come here, they're not allowed to play shows without the proper visa and sure. blah, blah, blah. And um, so I should have known, I should have like had an idea of what would happen, but like I wasn't thinking. So there, you know, they said, we're gonna play the show in London. I'm like, just tell me when, uh, tell me when it is, tell me, <laughs> you know, give me my ticket and I'll show up. Mm -hmm. So we get, I get on the plane, I fly all the way to London and, um, and I get there and I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety at the time and I can't sleep on planes. So I'm on low sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm anxious being outside the country by myself for the first time. Cause I flew alone. Yeah. Little shiny moose and, out, out on his own, out in the world. And, uh, and this is my first time going through customs. So they start asking me questions and they come to the question of like, um, so who bought your ticket? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Bad answer. I don't know who bought my ticket. I was being honest. That's the wrong answer. Um, right before I left the States, the booking agent who I hadn't, hadn't talked to was relayed to me just to, when we get to customs, don't tell them you're there to play a show. Okay. And I'm like, okay, that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, super. I can see why you're anxious. <laughs> but I'll just get there. I'll worry about it when I get there. Okay. And then um, they asked me a couple other questions. Like I, for money, I had like euros and that was weird. Why is that weird? Isn't that what they use? I not in England. So, but right, oh. right, exactly. So the British pound. Oh, okay. So I was like, he's like, did you bring anything for money? I'm like, I have these euros. And he's like, why do you have euros? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, at least you're probably I not a know. spy. I right? stopped and got him on the way to the airport. <laughs> smart enough not to. Anyways. Anyway, long story short, this I, this guy was not having any of it. So they detained me for 10 hours. Whoa. Um, <laughs> 10 hours? What were you doing? I was just laying on a chair, <laughs> listening to other people get interviewed slash interrogated. Mm -hmm. um, in, in the, you know, the rooms around me and stuff, but do they tell you you're being detained or they're like, wait here? No, they definitely said like, you're going to be here for a little bit. And, and then they just locked me in a room Whoa! and, um, they came to interview me and like, I was, I was, I was going to lie un until un into my grave. Like I, I flew all the way there. I'm just there to play a show. Yeah. Like, so they get me in a room. But your one rule is you can't say that you're there to play a show. Right. Like they told you. This is the only thing you got to know. Don't say you have. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't even anxious anymore by the time they interviewed me because I was just sitting by myself for hours and hours without a clock. They took all my stuff away. Whoa. Um, so they put me in a room and they started asking me questions. And eventually they asked like, so how about the show with so-and-so at club so-and-so tomorrow night? And he literally turns the computer around and has the flyer for the show up. <laughs> The exact show that you're about to play. And then it was this moment of like, okay, you got me. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And I told him everything. And I'm like, the booking agent, he just like told me to do this. And I was like, it was too late for me to say anything. And yeah. Um, so he's like, okay. And he gave me this really sweet document that I still haven't framed yet, but it just like makes me look like a badass. Like, Ooh. oh, this person came into our country and lied to us. And, wow. And I got banned for a year from the UK. <laughs> um, Impressive. And they said there were no more flights back to Boston, which is where I flew out of that night. So they flew me to New York and said, find your own way home. Wow. So I got into JFK at like 10 at night, 10 PM. And it just so happens that my little brother who was going to school outside of the city at that point had spring break the next day. 
Okay. So I got myself on a train. This was like in March. So it was actually really cold that night. Got myself on a train out to White Plains. Him and his drunk roommate picked me up. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a wild ride. And I slept Wait, on his dorm room floor. Were drinking and driving? I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you said they were driving and you said they were drunk. <laughs> I, 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 mean, you know, I have no idea. Okay. Slept on his dorm room floor, went home the next day. I was mm -hmm. home safe. Wow. Pretty incredible story. I was bringing it up in an attempt to embarrass you, really, but it makes you a badass. <laughs> it's, like, that's cool. It's yeah, pretty impressive, you know, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey, were you ever kicked out of a country or blacklisted or something? Uh, I was not... I have not been blacklisted. I've not been kicked out of a country. Uh, yeah. Some, you know, run-ins with local law enforcement in a couple of countries, but nothing nothing too permanent, I believe. What about, like, just disasters when you're traveling? Like, something that was delayed, you had to sleep at an airport, something like that? Yeah. I, uh, one sticks out in my mind. It was just such a long day and should have not been uh, in college you know, hanging out late, trying to get a flight home, you know, just for spring break, a quiet spring break at home. I thought this would be simple. Uh, I was in Houston at the time, you know, got to the airport late, you know, in like 2002, 2003. So they were still figuring out arbitrary new rules to institute at the airports. So like, get there just as the doors are closing, can't get on the flight. Okay, next flight, you know, six hours later, get into Denver. I was heading to LA, uh, you know, stuck in the Denver airport then for like 10 hours and then like eventually get to, you know, LA and see my folks. But, you know, what should have easily been, you know, a five hour trip, no problem, did take up most of, you know, 24 hours. And it was just, you know, one stupid mistake that just dominoed the entire damn thing. Man. Yeah. That sounds miserable. I've had a, a couple situations similar where I had to like sleep in the airport or just nap for four or five hours waiting for another flight. And, uh, and getting back to the film, it really, uh, showcases that like no other. I mean, some movies, there's something that goes wrong. There's a delay, but they just talk about it on the phone. But I feel like this movie, you really felt terrible for Steve Martin and everything that he was going through. I mean, it was visceral. There were so many, like it was relentless. It was just nonstop. This is the most inconvenient, unfortunate film of all time <laughs> really uh when he's just there's underwear in his face and uh it just seems really really terrible but um i wanted to mention a few quick just fun facts while i was like reading about the movie today um that john hughes wrote the first draft of the screenplay in three days and that his average writing time for a screenplay in those days was about three to five days with like 20 rewrites so the guy is a machine <laughs> and I just felt like that's really inspiring for anybody that's doing anything you're writing something recording something uh, you're an investment banker you, you can probably do a lot more than you're doing for yeah. sure yeah that's an impressive output yeah yeah um, so piggybacking on that I just wanted your impression of the film when did you first see it uh, let's go with Dr. Jeff I, I saw this probably when I was pretty young um, I mean when it came out I was Four. Um, but I'm, I'm sure I saw it in the late 80s or early 90s. You know, I have a pretty early memories of, of Steve Martin and John Candy movies. My dad's a huge fan, you know, definitely had me watch all of those films, uh, you know, curse words and all. Uh, and so I definitely remember, you know, seeing it as a kid, you know, enough to where I was aware of like, you know, long car rides sucked and the airport sucks. And like, you know, I definitely enjoyed it. But, you know, watching it more recently as an adult and having done a lot more travel of various uh, types of travel and internationally and nationally and bad weather and all that, you definitely appreciate it more. And, you know, at, at least my trip wasn't that bad, I think, is a good way to think about it. OK. And Shawnee Moose? I saw it last night. First time? First time. Wow. Um, surprised I hadn't seen it before. I love Steve Martin. I, uh, when I was younger, I used to watch Parenthood on Loop. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> on Loop. Ever. On Loop. Credits come on. Start it up. Yeah, dude, we got time. 
<laughs> and um i just i was just tense the whole time like i don't know yeah um i feel i feel like this connection to steve martin i've always felt a connection to him mm-hmm. um i read his biography a long time ago and um i'm uh the born standing he, like, up he reminds me of my about? dad i think that might be a part of it you oh, know because okay. he's very warm i mean not in this movie but <laughs> um or at least not till the end um yeah i just i was just tense the whole time i mean fucking del griffith was just getting on my fucking nerves dude how <laughs> yeah. can he not but then at the end you come around on on del uh i mean i i have a problem i have a problem oh. with how they you know did the whole tear works thing like with like five minutes to go okay you controversial know. talk let's get into it you don't have to <laughs> no no what is your problem with hughes's masterpiece we go like a hundred we're like 120 minutes in 125 minutes in we got like less than 10 minutes on the clock mm-hmm. and Fourth then all quarter. of a sudden it's like oh yeah my wife's been dead for eight years and uh you know i got no home I mean, he was busted, though. You know, that's not the he. He's a pride. He's a prideful man. He's not trying to just tell people about that. Then they feel bad for him. It's weird. You can't just go around saying you're homeless. That's tough. He's in a moment of vulnerability. He's, he's a great there. salesman, though. What's he doing with his money? That's true. Hey, you're right. He is a great salesman. I don't know. I mean, some people travel. I get that. <laughs> you know, but or maybe he was. Maybe he just put on the juice. You know, of like being a great salesman because he wanted a friend. He wanted Steve Martin to join him as uh, brothers well it would sad to me that that would be his only incentive to to make the sale well it is sad you know it is <laughs> yeah, a sad story it is a sad story i agree yeah i i started crying at the end of the movie now this is not atypical i mean you know i cry pretty often when you, the music comes in and especially with this with this guy <laughs> with dell i really felt bad and i just felt uh you know like coming home to see your family they show shots of the <laughs> turkey and pie everybody's so happy to see their dad it uh, it got to me so i uh, i do have a problem with what you said sean <laughs> that's okay and we're gonna have to talk about that off mic <laughs> you know what let's actually this will be the second of three that i i'm teasing out here opportunities to try and embarrass sean <laughs> the second one is that a passport fell out of your pocket at some point yeah i was uh, going from new york to Montreal and mm. I was with a band and we got through the we got to our gate and we we're all kind of standing around and um, I dropped my passport and I think I remember dropping my passport but I do not remember picking it up and that's because I did not pick it up uh, someone else in the band picked it up you remember dropping it I remember dro- I swear this is just what my brain tells me and it was in your pocket it was in my pocket then it fell, I think it was in my hand <laughs> and it fell out of my hand and then the bass uh, bass player picked it up okay and cool he thought guy. it was his cool okay. very cool guy cool guy <laughs> Very cool guy. Um, I mean, plays bass already cool. Great bass player. But to pick up your passport. Very, right. You know. So he picked up my passport thinking it was his. Right. And I know all of this at, like way after the fact because okay. a lot of crap went down right after that. So um, they say they're going to start boarding the plane. Everyone's like, oh, make sure you get passports. I can't find mine. And we all start panicking. You <laughs> right. know, because like we're, we have a show that night. Damn. Um, so I start looking, everyone's checking their stuff. Everyone's patting themselves down, yeah, emptying you're their You're feeling like an idiot. I'm like feeling like an idiot and like, what happened? You know, it just like fell into the void. <laughs> you know, if you play guitar, like you drop a guitar pick, you never see it again. It was like that, but like times a million. <laughs> and so I start. I went back to security. Um, I got like pre-check or whatever for some reason. I don't know why, but so I went to back to pre-check and like eventually just had them, I was just with them looking at the cameras. So we went back to like me going through and I had the passport in my hand on camera going through the gate. Whoa. So it was clear that I dropped it. Something happened. Crazy. Whether someone picked it up nefariously and ran with it. We didn't know. Didn't know. So the band goes on without me. Whoa. 
and they're like behind and they're they're like don't worry about it you know it'll (laughs) be okay (laughs) it'll be okay just try and get to like they were pretty much saying like just don't worry about tonight we'll get you to the next show yeah and um and then they fly to montreal and i'm like still just looking i'm i like become friends with all the tsa workers and stuff for all the people at the gate yeah you know because i'm like they feel so bad for me and i'm like you're detained breaking it in all the all the empathy, you know, because it feels good and people care about you. Yeah, sure. And, uh, so long story short. So you're like Dell in this story. I'm just putting that a out little there. bit, a little bit. <laughs> I, I like to think I'm not too annoying. Um, well, I mean, you were very annoying for the entire band and whoever's managing this tour. You missed your misplaced your passport. Well, let me get, let me get everybody. to what happened. So they get to Montreal and I get a call from the, the manager, the um, tour manager. And he says, um, the bass player has your passport. And I'm like, oh, wow. OK, at least we know where it is. Yeah but he can't find his. Whoa. So now it's like he can't get into that country. Where's his? That's that's what the that's what the reality was for about 20 minutes and they called back and said no he found his too. So oh. here's <laughs> Got it. Tour manager Peace flies players. back Come on. to JFK. Yeah, dude. Tour uh tour manager flies back to JFK. Mm-hmm. Grabs me. Wow. We grab the next flight to Montreal. I get to the venue with an out an hour before set time. Wow. And we nice. play the show and it was a great show and that was Whew. it. <laughs> so another attempt failed for me because you made the show and rocked out and everybody loved it. Yeah. <laughs> that son of a bitch. <laughs> um, okay. I have, Jeff, I don't know if you know this because I know you've gone deep into planes, trains, and automobiles, but I have how long it would take to get from New York to Chicago by train, by bus, by car, and by plane. Do you already know this information? Uh, I'm curious what number you have. Let's hear it. Oh, okay. So you do have some numbers. I have, I have some numbers. You have some numbers. Sean, definitely not. <laughs> So Sean is going to guess then. Let's do that. Oh, no. Okay. So Sean, Shawnee Moose, the goose is loose, Tracy. What is your guess? How long would it take to get from New York to Chicago by train? By train? Yes. Oh, God. You want to take another one first? I'll let you. Take do the plane one first. Okay. I feel most confident about that. Shawnee Moose, the goose is loose, Tracy. How long do you think it would take to get from New York to Chicago by plane? Um, hour and a half. What do you have, Dr. Jeff? I think it's a little bit longer than that. He's correct. It is two hours. Oh, first guess. So that's the information I have according <laughs> to the internet, though. Who knows? You meet a crazy pilot to get you there <laughs> yeah. in Shawnee Moose time. Well, there's a will, there's a way. There's a, there's a way when you're a pilot. <laughs> Actually, the planes I've, I read go slower now than they used to. Do you know what I'm talking about, Jeff? Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I haven't heard that specifically, but I wouldn't be surprised. There's, you know, a lot of studies that have been done on cars and planes and, uh, you know, aerodynamics of, you know, fuel consumption and, and uh, efficiency right. stuff. So, you know, messing with the highway speed limits, messing with, you know, how fast planes fly and, you know, the, even the little uh, the winglets, the little tips on the uh, uh, ends of wings on planes that kind of point upward are all to reduce drag and increase, you know, efficiency of, of how much fuel is used. So even though, you know, it might take a bit longer, it's probably more fuel efficient. So there's all kinds of optimizations going on constantly for that kind of stuff. Crazy. Okay. Um, oddly enough, also my hamster's name is winglet. Did you know that? <laughs> That's awesome. That's true. Uh, what about my car? Shiny moves the goose straight. Uh, New York to Chicago by car. New York, the big apple to the windy city. Oh, gosh. What are we talking about? Um, nine yeah. hours. Dr. Jeff. I think it's longer than that as well. You want to guess by how much? Uh, is it 12 hours? It is 13 hours. All right. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. But again, maybe not if you're driving or if I'm driving. <laughs> no, I drive slow. I drive real slow. Oh, okay. Well, it depends on the car. I would drive fast if I had like a car I trusted. On the Civic, let's keep it under the speed limit. Bus? Uh, Taking a bus? How long is that going to mm. take you? 
Uh, 15 hours. Ooh, that's a good guess. Dr. Jeff? Yeah, I think it's around there, right? It's 16 and a half. Okay. Oh, you're getting closer as we go. I feel <laughs> like. Get more confident, get more comfortable. Pretty good. Okay, the last one is your dreaded train guess. Although I know you're a huge fan of the band. Um, What's your favorite train song also? Let's get that out of the way. Um, would, would it be Meet Virginia? Da, na, 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 the Drops of da, Jupiter? Da, what? The one about the kids. The one about the kids. <laughs> what train uh, song is about kids? Da, na, 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 calling all you angels. Oh. That uh, one? Is that train? That is train. That sounds, calling, that I don't know right. if it's about kids. <laughs> calling all angels. Yeah. Fantastic. So Sean loves calling all angels. And how long do you think it would take to get from New York <laughs> to Chicago by train? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, 20 hours. Okay. I don't know. Dr. Jeff, no, that's a good guess. Uh, I, I found multiple routes, so I, I don't know which number Ooh. we're going with. But uh, as far as, yeah, train, I got to go with Drops of Jupiter because, you know, I'm an astrophysicist <laughs> by training. So, <laughs> yeah. And the Drops of Jupiter do get frequently in people's hair. Is that correct? That's right. That That's is a growing that is problem. Scientifically accurate. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so wait, what's the different routes? The, the, I have 22 hours. Yeah, I found I found routes around yeah twenty to twenty four hours depending on yeah which which stations you want to go to and if you get you know do you have layovers and things like that but yeah it's it's slow that's for sure and also should train have a song called New York to Chicago because if you think about it that's funny I like New York <laughs> to Chicago by train nothing I don't know if everyone's gonna pick up on that one really so if you were in the band train you wouldn't you wouldn't be tempted by that it's just it's the fact that it's a reference to planes, trains, and automobiles, or it's just... No, just because it sounds a like a sentence. One city to one Your other. song sounds like a sentence. That's cool. New York to Chicago by train. Nothing? I'm just trying to think of better <laughs> ones. Well, you, since you haven't, I think that means that it's pretty good. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Let's talk about the third time you were embarrassed. You left your laptop Ariana Grande Latte. <laughs> Ariana Grande Latte is not bad. By latte train? by Ariana Grande, though. That doesn't really work out. You left, Sean, Imus is listening the studio, your laptop on the floor in Hollywood. Is the, that correct? The sidewalk. I was outside. Okay. I don't know how much better that makes it. <laughs> um, yeah, you were there. You were there. That's right. So we were we were by my car. We were on Gower. We were on Gower in the middle of Hollywood next to the Paramount. Right near Astro Burger. Right next to the Astro Burger, which we were not eating at. Nope. We were going somewhere else. And you, for some reason, put your laptop on the floor and then we left. <laughs> Is that yes. true or not? That's very true. Okay, so it's explain traumatic. to me what the hell happened there. I don't know, man. I just like get too comfortable. <laughs> But what happened? Put my stuff down. But what happened next? We got to where we were going and you're like, I don't have my laptop. Now what do we do? Uh, I just embrace i just accepted it i just accepted it, it was gone it had my hard external hard drive in yep. the bag with it which had all the music i'd ever done and had been working on and right, that was the only copy of it so it was just your, like clean slate it's your whole thing i told myself clean slate it's it happened before in college because i lost a guitar i remember that and as soon as I remember, two weeks later, I realized I lost a guitar. Yep. And <laughs> left it at a gig. And, I, and my first thought was, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. You, I had I accept it very quickly. I will say that. I don't really yeah, feel much of a Yeah, that's very zen. I like that. I, I would Sean is very, yeah. I yeah. mean, it was a good, it was good practice. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we were on, I was on a couch wherever we were and I just laid down and said, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> and then what? I think you were kind of like, let's go check. And I was just like, dude. 
someone took that. I mean, pretty cool of me to find a solution already instead of lay on the couch and say it's gone. <laughs> and we went. Yeah. And it was, did we go? I don't remember it. Either we went and it was gone or I just accepted it was gone and you didn't. And you can take back your self compliment. I absolutely will take it back. All that I remember is that you contacted me shortly afterwards saying that it's back. Right. Cause I was staying right across the street from Paramount and, um, eventually maybe later that day, or maybe it might've been like the next day. It might've been the next week. I think it was the next day. Next day. And well, I just called Paramount and just told them cause like, I figured that was the least I could do. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the least. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I told them what it looked like and what was in it. And they're like, yeah, we got it. And I was like, it was like Christmas times a million. Wow. It was the Jeez. best feeling in the whole world. So we drove into Paramount and saw the Bruce almighty wall. Mm -hmm. And it was just a wonderful moment. That is a wonderful retrieving moment. Retrieving all my belongings. Celebration. Uh, I want to talk about this this Houdini line that we spoke about very briefly, uh, Jeff. Mm -hmm. So Dell in the movie gets punched in the stomach um, by Dean or by uh, Neil, sorry. And he says, like, you know, watch it because that's how Houdini died. Yep. And so I wanted to look that up. It seemed like you looked it up also. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to give you what I got because I found it astounding. And you tell me if it's uh, in, in, the, in the medical field, I think they call it caca poop. <laughs> you can let me know if it is or if it's not. So I see on Wikipedia here, it says that it is speculated that his death was caused by a McGill University student, Jocelyn Gordon Whitehead, who repeatedly struck him in the abdomen. She asked him if he believed in miracles of the Bible and whether or not it was true that punches in the stomach did not hurt him and then delivered some, quote, very hammer-like blows below the belt. Houdini was at the time reclining on a couch, having broken his ankle while performing several days earlier. And then he was unable to sleep. He remained in constant pain for the next two days. He did not seek medical help. And by the time he did see a doctor, he had a fever of 102 and acute appendicitis and was advised to immediately have surgery. He ignores the advice. He decides to go perform. He performs at the Garrick Theater where he passes out. Uh, because of his fever, I would presume, which was now 104. This was in Detroit in uh, October 22nd, 1926. And then they revive him. He finishes the show, but is hospitalized and dies a few days later. So parts of that I really believe to be true. Okay. Parts of it, I don't know. Um, the the like the second half of the story I think definitely hangs together. The fact that he went in, had appendicitis and a fever, and ignored doctors' advice, and then eventually, yeah, went in the hospital and died effectively of appendicitis, um, which was pretty bad at the time. Nowadays, you know, we can treat that pretty easily. Um, the first half of that story is a lot fuzzier uh, from the stuff that I've read. Uh, Definitely one of Houdini's things was, you know, he had for various illusions, he had very strong abs, he had a strong core. And so one of his, you know, gimmicks was he could take lots of punches in the stomach. Um, and so, you know, that was a thing. He did have to, like, you know, tighten up and prepare. You couldn't just, like, surprise him with it, um, mm -hmm. apparently. And so, yeah, many of there, there's various flavors of the story. But, yeah, something about somebody either punching him repeatedly or unexpectedly, uh, you know, whether it was a, a rival magician or somebody hired or amateur boxer or, or who it was. Uh, I actually haven't heard the version that involves uh, uh, quoting the Bible. That's a new one. But who knows? 
those. Mm. And so definitely there's a, a chance that that, uh, you know, it was unexpected. He was slightly injured by that. Uh, the interesting medical part of this comes in. There's been a lot of studies in you know the last few decades that actually blunt trauma can't lead to appendicitis, or there's no evidence that blunt trauma, like a punch, will lead to appendicitis. Oh. And so the fact that there's no sci- no obvious scientific connection between those two is, I think, the part that kills part of this story. And so what's interesting, though, and actually might have led to his death indirectly from the punching is, you know, if he gets punched, he was surprised or it was a boxer or whoever, and, you know, he's slightly injured because, you know, that seems reasonable enough. You know, maybe it was sore or, you know, he had some kind of, you know, potentially slight injury from the punching. He, you know, would have felt some abdominal pain. And then as the days go on, Presumably, as he has appendicitis growing, you know, or, or developing inside of him, that pain potentially was attributed by Houdini and others to that punch or series of punches. So instead of thinking, oh, I have, you know, some weird abdominal pain, I should see a doctor, maybe it's a serious thing, it's probably, you know, him and his buddies thinking, yeah, I got punched and wasn't prepared, that's kind of annoying, it's sticking around. So, you know, definitely there's some level of, you know, self delusion of that's where it came from. And if he hadn't, He'd been, you know, surprise punched or something like that. You know, he might have gone to a doctor earlier. He might have heeded doctor's advice that, you know, this is, you know, not just, oh, I wasn't prepared for that punch. This is a serious, you know, internal issue. Okay, so then the moral of the story is that if you're reclining on a couch and somebody's talking about punching you a bunch of times in the lower regions, that you should pass. Probably. That seems wise. Okay. Sean? Yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be on either side of that. You don't want to punch somebody in the nuts? Well, there's either pain or there's guilt. (laughs) What if it's somebody terrible that you hate? Depends on who. Okay, so maybe. If that happens, we will upload the video, guys, so don't worry. (laughs) You won't miss a second of Shawnee Moose's boxing match with somebody's testicles. Now, how much of this movie do you think could have been avoided with cell phones? Like, the whole movie? That's an interesting one. I mean... You know, the one of the first issues is they're they're trapped in what Wichita, Kansas, I believe, and you know they can't book a hotel room locally. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people are waiting in line, you know, for the couple of payphones. So if everybody had a cell phone, everybody had you know Hotels.com or TripAdvisor, maybe they could book a room pretty quick. So yeah, that might have helped. The taxi thing was a whole mess. Oh yeah, renting a car was a whole mess. Yeah, the number of of steps that they had to you know throw money at random people or call in random favors that you could do on your cell phone, you know, anywhere in the country, pretty much. Um, that that definitely would would speed up some of these issues, I'm guessing. So there's probably a lot less people missing out on Thanksgiving nowadays. That's like a nice positive point, right? Sure. I think the you know the the flip side of that is uh, perhaps social media is leading us to uh, more awkward Thanksgivings than we used to have. Yeah, that's true. There's little to talk about that's safe anymore. <laughs> um, I guess this movie is one of those things, although not really safe to watch with the entire family because of that one scene you mentioned where uh, he's saying the F-bomb a bunch of times. Yep, my favorite scene in the entire movie. That just came out of nowhere. It was, uh, I think, Steve Martin's favorite scene or like one of two that convinced him to do the movie. And uh, it really just blindsides you. <laughs> the movie is completely like PG, maybe PG-13, but then... There's like, what? It's like 30 times that he says the F word in that scene. Eight, 18 F bombs in one minute. It's <sighs> a lot of F bombs <laughs> in a minute. It's like, you have the math on that? Every three seconds? Every a little less? Two that? seconds? Yeah, something like that. Yep. That's chaos. <laughs> um, okay, so I also wanted to just name, because it's Thanksgiving, the smell of pumpkin and gravy is in the air. <laughs> what are your favorite Thanksgiving foods, Thanksgiving desserts? 
Uh, I'll go first. Uh, my mom makes a crazy sweet potato casserole. Sweet potato casserole. It's got like marshmallow and stuff in there. It's kind of like a yams-esque uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah. The yams and sweet potatoes are relatively interchangeable. Are well, they not? I don't know. I, f- I feel like yams is sweet potato, marshmallow, and something else. Jeff, you got the math on that? <laughs> I don't like sweet potato or yams, so I just scrape the marshmallows Whoa. off the top when my mom makes it, to be honest. So. You got to say yet. When you don't like something, a sort of food, you got to say yet at the end, because you never know. I didn't like broccoli and spinach, now I eat that stuff raw. That's, that's a great well, that's no, With no, just out of the bag. It's a great philosophy. I love yeah. that. I don't like I always, it yet. That's what I always tell Eric, our buddy Eric. <laughs> so... What else is in this casserole? Wait a minute. I don't remember. <laughs> a marshmallow and sweet potato. It's very, it's like a dessert. It tastes like a dessert. Right, right, Like right. I, I'm really finding it hard to believe that anyone could take a bite of that and be like, this is just like a tasty, sweet dessert well, I, I with no I drawbacks. Don't think, I don't think Jeff is going to like it very much, but <laughs> Jeff, what, what are you into if not yams? Uh, I like a good pumpkin pie uh, and I make a decent mulled wine. So that's always fun to throw on the uh, the stove. A decent what? Mulled wine. So you heat up some wine and brandy and throw in cinnamon and cloves and oranges and it's just warm and tasty and gets you tipsy and it's lovely. Whoa, that sounds great. I want that recipe. <laughs> All right, I'll send it to you. No problem. Okay, good. That sounds really nice. Yeah, I'm a pie guy too. I love pie. I feel like pie is just better than cake. In general, universal, I'm, I'm putting that out there. Pie is better than cake. Instead of cheesecake. Excuse me? Cheesecake is better than pie. So wait a minute. For you, <laughs> it goes cake, pie, cheesecake is I the top? So. Yeah. Cheesecake is definitely at the top. I don't know about pie and cake under that. Okay. Dude loves cheesecake. I mean, Jeff, I'm, you go cake or you go pie? I mean, I'm, I like chocolate. So like a good chocolate cream pie, I think beats a chocolate cake. You know, getting, getting specific to my chocoholism. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is exactly, but I'm, I'm more of a pie guy, I got to say. Um, okay, I think we're, we're nearing the end here. Um, we do a plug section at the end. Shawnee Moose, something you want to tell the people, preach to the people? Uh, yeah, I've been producing and editing this podcast called Success Express. Success Express? Tell me about that. Uh, it's hosted by you. What? And our <laughs> buddy Eric. But I host this show, Sean. You, hey. How could I host a different show? Are you lying? You got to give yourself some more credit. Yeah, you're right. No, I do host that show with Eric, our very good friends that we've known for 10. We're a little bit of a brotherhood, the three of us, would you say? Yeah, definitely. Last 10 years or so. Yeah. And Sean does a great job of producing the show and interacting with us. And uh, it's a silly, funny show. Yeah. A lot of improv and music. And it's a really good time. Yeah. Well, I thank you for doing that show with us. Of course, it's always a pleasure. And thank you for being on this show. No problem. And thank you for watching that movie that you had never seen before. I hope you... (laughs) I mean, loved it and want to thank me for that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sterling <laughs> review. Uh, Dr. Jeff, where can people uh, find your stuff? Are you doing any more of the Draft House exposés? Yeah, about uh, once a month, a friend and I at the uh, Alamo Draft House Theaters in San Francisco uh, show a movie and then talk about the science behind it. So we did uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles last November. Uh, a week from tonight, we'll be mm-hmm. doing Close Encounters of the Third Kind, one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can you can follow us. The, the event is Big Screen Science. You can follow them at uh, Alamo draft house uh website we're in their mailing list and you know tickets on sale each month for our shows 
Big screen science. That's right. That is very cool, man. And I got to geek out for a second because I just went to the draft house here in L.A. for the first time. I had never been to a draft house before. Mm-hmm. And it was the best. After five minutes of being in there, I told my girlfriend, we're not going to any other theaters anymore. Other theaters are done. That is that is a typical reaction. Yeah. Uh, the Alamo draft house started in Austin, Texas and has spread uh, around to a lot of cities in the U.S. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited. We have one in SF. I, I got to get down to the one in L.A. at some point. But yeah, that's that's a standard reaction is there's just no reason to go to other theaters now. Yeah, it's just absolutely the gold standard. They're bringing you food and cocktails. It's uh, it's the ultimate experience. So I'm sure that your uh, big screen science is a ton of fun. So I hope people go see it and I hope I get to see it someday soon. Yeah, great. OK, thank you, sir. Thank you, Dr. Jeff. Thank you, Shawnee Moose. And uh, I'll see you guys next time when we do some other Thanksgiving movie? Third, Close Encounters, I guess. <laughs> sure. What other what other Thanksgiving movies are there? Chicken Run? Am I just saying that because <laughs> there's a chicken in it? What's the Eli Roth's trailer one? What? What is that? In Grindhouse. Oh, I don't know. Is it just called Thanksgiving? Maybe. <laughs> that one. How many Thanksgiving movies are there? I feel like we're lacking in that not, area. Not like many. Yeah, not many. Okay, so then let's start making those because I feel like there's an open market here. Does that make sense? Yeah. For all you execs. Yeah, all you execs listening, we have tons of... By the time you hear this, we have a list of Thanksgiving movie ideas, blockbuster (laughs) ideas, superhero Thanksgiving movies. Perfect. Okay, so great. So see you guys next time, and then you guys stay on the line, and we'll just just brainstorm Thanksgiving movies for a couple hours. (laughs) It's just going to be me. It's just going to be me, dude. I'll hear you out. All right, thanks. Bye, everybody. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger. And the executive pecan pie deucer is Brett Kushner. Follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show. That's at Bad Science Show. Or feel free to send us an email, badscience at seeker.com. That's badscience at seeker.com. Let us know what you think about the show, any movies we should do in the future. I always appreciate getting your emails. And of course, leave us an iTunes review. That lets other people hear about the show. And I'll see you all next week. Bye. <laughs>